Well, welcome to Grace This Weekend. Thanks for being with us. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if we have just met or just haven't met yet, maybe you're coming here for the first time or maybe tuning in online for the first time. Thanks for being with us. And I realize it could be a big deal to come to church and a tie-in for the first time. And so you can call me Ryan. You can call me Pastor Ryan. You can call me the woodpile guy. You can call me the whiteboard guy. I'll answer to any of those, and you're probably wondering, what's going on with this? We're going to get into it here in just a minute as we jump into our series. But even before we do, I know there's still some folks trying to find seats. If you can kind of squish in a little bit, I know it's getting a little bit tight here. And uh, we've got the extension opening up just in a handful of weeks. And I do want to give you a little fair warning next weekend in this service. We are going to have 115 college football players stopping in. And so consider, maybe, think about another service, right? Is it possible that I should go to another service because they are going to be sitting on your lap next week, <laughs> right? So uh, that will be happening. It's a lot of fun. And then we'll have the extension coming up here in just a handful of weeks. We'll get a little bit more space back, which will be great. What we want to do is we're going to wrap up our conversation we've been in just in the last handful of weeks. This series has been a big set of conversations. We've been uh, saying, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Right? When we come to big kind of uh, forks in the road in life and we bump into a big decision, think what college to go to? Do I get married? Should I say yes to the person I'm dating or should I pop the question? Should I marry this person? Should I not marry them? Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should I take the promotion? Should I switch companies? Right? Big life-altering decisions. What house should I live in? Should I move to this area or that area? Spend this much money on this purchase or that much? Right? Big decisions that we know are going to affect us in all kinds of ways. What we said is we tend to feel the weight of those decisions. They're, they're heavy because we know that as we make this decision, it's going to send me into this trajectory. If I go down this path, I don't really know what another path might look like. How do I know that the one that I'm going to pick is the best one? Right? How do I make decisions? What do you do when you don't know what to do? And so we said we feel that. We feel that weight. And we feel it personally, and we feel it for the people in our lives, right? Our family members, our friends, the people that kind of swirl in our circle and our sphere of influence are going to be affected by our decisions. We're going to rub shoulders with different people as we go to this school or Right? Build new relationships if we take this job. How do I know how to approach it? What do I know how to do it? So what we've been doing over the last handful of weeks is talking about how do we engage God in the middle of decision-making? What do I do? How do I find the will of God? That's a big question. And if you grew up in the church, you may have heard that phrase quite a bit. How do I know the will of God? I know that God knows everything. He knows the future. He has a plan for my life. I don't really have access to that, so how am I supposed to know what to do? Do I open the Bible and the Bible tells me to take a certain job or go to a certain college? Is it like a, a secret decoder ring that I need to use to figure out how to find and make these decisions? And what we said is it's not like that at all. Right? Kind of the first premise we lay down at the beginning of this series was this. Pastor Jeff kind of said this. He, he said, the will of God is not a code to be deciphered. It's a relationship to be delved into. At the end of the day, I'm not going to find kind of the details of exactly what decisions I should make when I'm reading through the Bible. What I do is I begin to dive into this relationship. And as I get to know the person, I'm making a relationship, I'm responding and making choices based on who God is. As I get to know his heart and his mind, what makes him happy, what grieves him, I'm able to sift through and kind of find my way through life based on who Jesus is. 
Right? We also said this, we said the will of God is not a, so much a what question, it's a who question. Right? It's not about what I'm doing, what job I take, where I live, what college I go to. It's a who question. Who am I becoming? Am I becoming like the person of Jesus? Am I being transformed from the inside out and looking like, talking like, thinking like, acting like Jesus more and more, becoming a certain kind of person? That's actually what God is most concerned about. It's his will. It's what he wants for our lives. So then how do we actually make decisions, right? We looked at this over the last few weeks. We said, what does it mean to know God? How do I begin to develop that relationship and kind of grow vertically in my relationship with God as I interact with him? We talked about what it looks like to engage the Bible, uh, what it looks like to engage prayer, right? To, to speak to God, communicate with him, and then responding to him. We talked about that vertical connection we have with God. We also talked kind of horizontally, tapping into not only the wisdom I get directly in my interaction with God as I read his word and pray, but also tapping into the wisdom around me through spiritual leaders and friendships. We talked about building our wisdom team. And we're saying, man, I want to make the most use of the resources I can to make the best decisions that I possibly can so that when I look back, there's no regret about the paths that I've chosen and the decisions that I've made. So if you have missed any of those conversations so far, I would highly encourage you to catch up online. And really in this series, I think it's important that we take the series as a whole, that it's not just taking one individual conversation, kind of run and making a decision based on that one. But if you take it all together, you're going to have a great grid to kind of make decisions through. And if you missed any of those, you can catch up online, graceohio.org. And what we want to do today is kind of wrap it all up and bring it together. If you walked away and said, Ryan, can you, can you boil down the grid for me? Like, like, what are the questions that I would ask as I approach a decision and make sure I kind of have that filter or that grid locked in? And then a question that comes up quite a bit, we want to answer this one as well, is what do I do when I've done all these things you've been telling me to do? I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm trying to respond to God as best as I know how, I'm leaning into my wisdom team. What do I do when I still have a couple choices and they both seem like legit choices? What do I do now? Right? How do I approach that set of decisions? Okay, so we want to wrap that up and kind of dive into it. And the context that we're going to use to do that is something we're going to find in the Bible that shows up quite a bit. And the Bible is going to sometimes talk about our decision-making, our series of decisions we'll make in life and how we would live as a race. That following Jesus and living a life of faith is like a race. And that's going to show up all over kind of the New Testament, all over the Bible. That we're in a race towards God and that living a life of faith is a race. It's kind of fascinating. So I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn there real quick. Open that up, Hebrews 11. And if you don't have a Bible with you, that is not a big deal at all. Uh, you can either open your smartphone and look along there uh, through the, the YouVersion app or our app. You can t follow along that way. Or you can grab the Bible from underneath your chairs there. Open that. You can take that home with you if you need a copy of God's Word. You need a Bible for yourself. It's page 843 in those Bibles underneath your chairs. And uh, let me give you a little bit of context. We're not going to read all of chapter 11, although I would highly encourage you to go home and read this later today. Hebrews chapter 11 is a fascinating and a unique chapter of the Bible where kind of the writer of Hebrews looks back over all these Old Testament kind of heroes, people that have gone before us, even before Jesus would come. The Old Testament is the old part of the Bible, right? It's kind of the, the beginning, all the stuff that happened before Jesus shows up. 
and it's going to talk about how these different people of faith, men and women, would respond and follow God and how they kind of ran their race. How that by faith, they engaged whatever it is God was asking them to do. They listened to his voice and they followed him by faith. It's a fascinating passage of scripture, but let me give you just a few examples. I'll show you in here in verse 7, we're talking about Noah. You may have heard of Noah. Verse 7 of chapter 11 says this, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Here's a guy who right in the beginning of kind of creation, the beginning of the world, would have looked and heard God's voice, and God would have said, hey, Noah, I want you to build this really big boat. It's going to rain. And Noah would have looked at God and thought, that's crazy. I don't even know what rain is. He said, I'm going to flood the earth. It's going to rain so much the whole earth is full of water. I need you to build this boat and, and operate in faith. And so Noah does it. Right, we don't have the details about where Noah lived and what job Noah took, but we know that he listened to God and acted in faith. Right? Fascinating. That's what he's remembered for is his faith decisions. We look at a guy like Abraham. He's going to show up in verse 8. Let me give you the summary of it. Abraham's a guy who would be kind of called the father of faith in many ways. And he would have been a man that God would look at and say, hey, Abraham, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your household. I want you to leave the place that you grew up. And I'm going to send you to a place that I'm going to show you. I'm not going to give you any of the details about how it's all going to work. Just trust me. Believe in me. Have faith in me. Abraham does this. And God would look at Abraham and say, listen, I'm going to bless you if you have faith in me. I'm going to multiply your descendants. They're going to be as many as the stars in the sky, as many as the sand on the seashore. Follow me, Abraham. Abraham listens. Right? He responds as God calls him to what he is going to do. Moses is another guy that would show up. Right? Probably familiar, maybe heard of Moses before. Moses is a man who was called to do some crazy stuff. God would look at Moses and say, listen, I want you to go and stand and oppose the most powerful government that has ever existed up to this point, Egypt. I want you to go face off with this leader, Pharaoh, and I want you to set my people who've been enslaved, I want you to set them free. And Moses would have been mind blown by that call and that decision to embrace. He does that and he's remembered because of his faith. And there are stories like this all through chapter 11 of Hebrews. All throughout the Bible, we could find people that have been commended for their faith journey, the race that they ran as they embraced their faith. Listen to this one part I want to read to you. Verse 13, kind of in summary, it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. And they're running the race. Living by faith, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were looking and longing for a better country, a heavenly one. So therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. He's saying as these people, as they're responding to God in faith, they're making decisions based on their faith, they're looking forward to seeing God one day. They're knowing that this life is not all that there is. They're running the race of obedience and faith in God, knowing that one day it's all going to make sense, and what they really are valuing is this race of faith that they're in. I want to read you one more part in here, chapter 11. We'll begin to dive into it. 32. Fascinating if you've never seen this passage of Scripture. It says, What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel and the prophets. 
who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, and who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. These women received back their dead and raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. So they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins and destitute, prostitute, they, they, they persecuted. They were uh, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised since God was planning something better for us so that they only together with us would be made perfect. Intense list of people that had walked by faith. Big, big stuff here. And this is the first thing I want us to see, right? As we wrap up this conversation, I want us to know this. We are a people of faith and we make decisions by faith. Right? We are people of faith. We make decisions by faith. More than our rationale, more than it making sense on paper, right? more, than, more than being driven by what we feel, what we hope for, we are a people of faith. And these people are commended for their faith, for their decisions to respond to God. Right? As they look back and we look at Noah and Abraham and Moses, these people were they weren't commended for their decisions about whether or not to take the promotion or what college they went to, right? What house they lived. They weren't like, Noah, great job picking the right tent, right? It's not how it worked. We look back at these guys and we look at their faith decisions, the sum of their life, of the race that they lived and the race that they ran. And we say, that is the kind of thing that we want to aim at. And here, here's the thing I want us to see. Look, look at this. This is all context the writer of Hebrews kind of setting us all up in chapter 11 for chapter 12. Chapter 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since all these people have gone before us, all these people who've lived by faith, imagine an arena of the Olympics and people who have been runners in the past are now watching us run our leg of the race. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart goes on and says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. The writer of Hebrews is talking to a, a kind of a persecuted group of Christians, and he's calling them to a higher example. He's saying, remember the people of old, the people have gone before us, these people of great faith. The sum of their life is the race that they ran and the faith that they embraced. And now it's our turn. We are called to run the race of faith as well. So how do we do this? How do we make decisions by faith? What would the grid look like if we boiled it down? Where do we start and how would it look? Here's the, the starting point I want to make sure we catch. Here's the first thing. When we look at the race, I, I need to make sure to be in the race. 
Right, first things first, I got to make sure to be, kind of be actually in the race. And you say, what do you mean, Ryan? Well, here's the thing. Right, here, here's me, and I'm looking at a set of decisions, right? Different roads I can take, di- different decisions I can make, and they can all lead me to different outcomes, and I don't know where they're all going to go. But at the end of the day, I have to choose first what race am I going to run? Am I going to run a race that's aimed at my kind of the American dream? Am I going to run a race that's aimed at my own happiness? Do do I just want to just like be happy and comfortable? Or am I looking to run a race of faith? Am I aiming my life at Jesus? Have I decided beforehand that this is the race that I'm in? Now, when I look at the efforts and the goals, the attention, the focus of my life, that I want to aim it at Jesus. I want to make sure to be in the race. And here at Grace, as we read the Bible, we believe that the way you begin that race is by forming a relationship with Christ. You know, you might be here, you might have been kind of drug in here by a friend and, and not know what it's like to have a relationship with Christ. I, I totally understand that. I didn't know Jesus until college. I met Christ right from my freshman year of college. I know how foreign it feels to even talk about aiming your life about towards a person you've never seen before. And you, how do you know them? But I want to make sure that I'm in a race. And we, we read the Bible, we believe that God sent Jesus to be a, a perfect person. He's God himself. He lived perfectly in this life. He died innocently. And that innocent death was to die in my place and in your place because I am a sinful person, an imperfect person, and, and I believe that you are as well. Right? That we need that sin paid for. So I would look at my life and say, I, I've been a prideful person. I've acted in pride. Lustful person, I've acted in lust. I need forgiven for my sin. I need Jesus to take care of that for me. And by faith, I can now believe that Jesus took care of that by living perfectly in my place. That's the starting point of the race, right? Now that I have a relationship with Christ, if I want to say yes, now I'm in the race. And I run the race not to earn favor with God. I run the race out of a response for the love and the favor that God has given to me. I don't chase down Jesus to become right with God. I'm already right with him. It's out of a passion for him and a love for him that I can focus my life towards him to say thank you for all that he's done for me. Right? And so following Jesus, being in the race, it's a, it's a pretty intense life. You say, Ryan, I, read, I heard what you read just there. Some of those people lost their lives. Some of them were mocked. So some of them had difficulty. Some of them were put in danger. Like this whole following Jesus thing, this race sounds intense a little bit. But what are you talking about? Following Jesus is, is not just being a part of a social club. It's not just being a part of a church. Following Jesus is not just trying to have some extra power to have a better life, some positivity. Following Jesus is a life of of both joy and pain. It's a life of purpose and and saying, Jesus, I want to offer back to you all of myself. I want to make decisions in line with who you are, with your heart, out of a passion for you, just like you have a passion for me. And some of us, we, we grew up in church and we maybe have drifted from the race, we started well, and now maybe we're at a snail's pace or we're chasing something else. And I want to make sure, first and foremost, that I'm pushing myself back on the racetrack, so to say, that I'm running after Jesus again, forming that relationship with God or pulling myself back in if I've drifted away from it. Step one, make sure to be in the race. The next part that the writer of Hebrews says is this, 
It says, hey, we, we got all these witnesses around us. We got people that have come before us and done this well. In light of that, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That's right. You're a runner. You're thinking, I want to make progress. I want to move down the road. Right? If, I, if I'm running, I don't want to be entangled by anything. He says, that's the, the first thing you want to make sure you process is, are you in sin? Is this decision a sinful decision? Throw that off. Right? That's the first question that I would ask when I'm trying to make decisions about what to do. Here's maybe the first question that I would process is this, is it sinful? Is it sinful? Very basic question. And you might look and say, Ryan, how can it be sinful uh, to choose a college or a job? In and of itself, it's not, right? If you go to this college, that college, there's not a sin in going to a college. What I'm looking for is the motivation behind it. So I might be in, in search of a college and maybe I got four options to pick from. And I might look and say, as I'm praying, I'm reading the Bible, I'm getting to know God, I might look and find in my heart the only reason one of these options is even on the table is because what I really want to do is I want to go to this school because that's the party school. And I know that if I go to that school, I'm going to end up partying. And that's what I want. I want to live the party scene. I want to hook up with girls. I want to hook up with guys. And I want to like let it all loose. And that's the only real reason that this option's on the table is because what I'm really aiming at and looking for is I want to go chase down sin. I might look and say that there's a handful of different job situations on the, the table, and the only real reason that this one's on the table, I, I know it's going to put me in all kinds of bad situations. I'm going to be on trips, and that sales trip, you know what happens on those trips. It's going to pull me away from my family. It's going to be all kinds of more money. And at the end of the day, I want that job because I know what that job leads to. Is it a sin to work at a certain place? No. Is it a sin to embrace something that I know is going to pull me away from Jesus. For at a heart level, absolutely. Right? So I'm going to look and say, I, I, I want to assess, is this decision sinful or not? The person that I'm dating, if they have a different faith than me, and I'm looking towards marriage, the Bible will be very clear that it's a sin for me to marry someone that doesn't have the same faith that I have. So I can look and I can say, wherever I am, whatever decision I'm trying to process, I can pull that one off the table and say, so, you know what, this option is not going to help me run the race towards Jesus, right? I can pull it right off and say, nope, that one is sinful. I eliminate that, right? Step one, I read the Bible, I pray, I'm interacting with God. It's clear to me what's driving my decisions and what's moving, motivating my heart. I peel that one off. Here's the next question, right? We, we read about this, that I want to throw off everything that hinders Everything that would encumber or distract me. Here's the next question that we might ask. Ask the question of yourself, is it wise? Is it wise? Will it distract me from my pursuit of Christ? Right? It's a great question to ask. Is it wise? So I used to be a runner in high school. And uh, we'd run track across country. And if, if you were a runner, you know how this works. So if you've seen other runners, when you're running, your goal is to like run the race as fast as you can, be as competitive as you can possibly be. What you do is you try to streamline and get as light and as aerodynamic as you can possibly get. I, I kind of wish I could go back to high school now. I would cut through the wind with this bald head. I mean, I would, right, I would blaze trails with this thing. It'd be amazing. Right? But some guys would even do that. They would shave their legs. 
You know, you wear those really high, disturbingly short shorts. You'd see my white legs from like a mile away. It was awesome, right? But you want to get real lean. You lose all your body fat and you, you streamline as much as you possibly can. Why? Because you don't want to be hindered in any way. You want to be as fast as you can, as light as you can. You want to cut through the wind as much as you can. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, listen, if your goal, if you're sure that you're in the race and you're sure that this is your aim, if your goal is to run the race and to win the race and to get it there as fast and as strong as you can, then I'm going to ask myself the question, when I'm making decisions, is it wise? Could I put my kids in 500 sports leagues? Sure you could. Is it wise? Well, let me think about that. If it's my goal to train my children to know Jesus and to get them to church and to help them to know the Bible, is that going to happen if we're running sports leagues constantly? Or are we going to really actually live at practice and we're going to drift away and we're going to be at church half the time and we're not going to connect could I acknowledge that that maybe is not the wisest decision, that I'm putting weight on my back and running the race with a hindrance? Could I look when I'm looking to, to make that house choice? Where am I going to live? What house am I going to buy? Could I afford to buy the biggest house that takes all of my budget and now I got to work an extra job? You can, right? But is that going to put weight on my back? And now I can't give, and now I've got my time sucked up in it, right? And, and now I'm distracted and hindered from running the race. When I look at my decision to make a, a college choice, and I'm looking at that one college, but really, the, you know what? There's no strong church presence. There's no ministry that I could attach to. Is it likely that I'm going to show up at that school and get sucked away and distracted? Probably. Is it wise? This is a place where a wisdom team comes in super handy. Usually a wisdom team is going to tie into this and say, listen, I'm going to ask you some questions. Are you trying to get here? Then why would you want to take this road? It doesn't make any sense. I've never met a guy who has been offered more travel and has a family, even though there's more money attached to it, and that guy's excited and happy that he chose to have the job where he travels more. Not once. I ran into a bunch of guys that said, I wish I didn't travel so much and I wish I didn't take that job. Can I throw the weight on my back and still run the race? Sure. Is it wise? Right? So I can look at these decisions and say, is it sinful? No, it's not sinful. Is it wise? It's not really wise. I can pull this one off the table if I'm chasing down Jesus and that's the race that I'm trying to run and I can narrow in and say, you know what? These are the real options now that, that I have to work with. I'm really, if I'm trying to run that race by faith, if I'm trying to run as fast as I can, I want to have options that are going to get me towards Jesus. Now, when we get here, it gets really fascinating really quick because this is a place where we have two options that, man, I've read my Bible, I've prayed, I'm responding as best as I can. I, I've talked to my wisdom team that they would say, listen, you can probably choose either of these options. They're both pretty legit. I think you could go either way and, and run the race towards Jesus. What can happen here is, is when you get to this point and you've got two options, or maybe you have more, right? I can only fit so many on my whiteboard here, people, right? But maybe you got more options. But let's say for the sake of this conversation, you only have two. And you're looking at those options. What can happen here is paralysis can set in. 
I can get paralyzed. And I can look and say, what's the, man, what's the perfect route to take? Well, what's, what's the, the route that's the shortest and has the least hills and, and might get me there? I want to find the perfect exact route that can have the maximum impact. And I mean, I'm pretty passionate about this because I've spent some serious time and energy in my life being paralyzed at times staring at a couple really good options. When the reality is, God would bless either one. Like God, God would bless either of these roads. And at the end of the day, what I want to do is I, I want to focus, I want to focus on pursuing Christ instead of pursuing the perfect path. That's the point. I want to focus on pursuing Christ, not pursuing the perfect path, trying to find my way and analyze to death what might be the, the maximum impact, best possible decision. Because at the end of the day, these two are both great, great options. I focus on Christ, not pursuing the perfect path. When I think back to uh, some decisions I've made, uh, right after I met Jesus, about a year later, the Lord called me into ministry. And uh, Pastor Jeff helped me figure that out. And I said, Jeff, what do I do now? Like, how do I pursue this? And he said, Ryan, I think you should go to Bible college. I was like, oh, I didn't know they had those. Okay, sure. I'll go to Bible college. What does that mean? He's like, well, I was at Kent State at the time. He said, I think you should probably transfer from Kent, and there's some options. You could go to this school. You go to this school. He's like, there's, an, uh, there's a, a, a kind of a, an extension of Moody Bible Institute here, right here in Ohio. Why don't you go there? And I was like, I will do that. You know, he's like, I'll, I'll keep training you and mentor you, and you can have ministry experience, and you stay here. And I was like, I'm in. I'll, I'll do that. So I made that decision. I went to school, and I formed some relationships with some of the profs, got to know them a little bit. And I met one of the guys, his name was Dr. Fisher, and I really connected with him. We formed this great relationship. I graduate from college, and now I've got this connection to Dr. Fisher. And we're here at the church, and we're trying to figure out kind of how do we train people. We want to raise up leaders. Our vision here at Grace is 30 campuses in 30 years, and we said, we know we need to train people. How do we do that? And so we started talking to Dr. Fisher Right? And as he started looking at retiring from Moody Bible Institute, we wooed him over here with a nice pay decrease. Right? And he, we were like, here, come on over and uh, we'll pay you less to do way more work. It'll be awesome. And, uh, and he was like, I'll do that. And then he is the one that God used to bring our undergrad program in here. Right? We have an undergrad program of Grace College here at Grace. That exists because of Dr. Fisher which happened through that relationship, which happened because of that decision. I can trace back how that all worked as we pursued Christ through that decision. Now, you're thinking people, right? So you might look at me and say, yeah, Ryan, that's how God worked through that one. What would have happened if you made a different decision? Here's the thing. I have no idea. I have no idea how that would work. But what I know is that God would have blessed that differently. It would have been just fine too. The point isn't which is the perfect path. The point is to pursue Christ on it and he will bless that decision. Rather than getting paralyzed in analysis back here, I want to make my way down the road of whichever path it is that I'm choosing. I get this picture in my head sometimes when I, I think back and reading the Bible and thinking about Adam and Eve. It sounds weird, but I think about this every once in a while. Adam and Eve are the first created people. You know, and they're in the garden that God made. And God would look at them and say, listen, you can eat from any of these trees, right? Any of these trees are fair game, right? You, you want to eat from that tree? Eat it. 
except for that one, right? Don't eat from that one. If you eat that one, you're going to die. But the rest of these are up to you. You like this fruit, go for it, right? You, you prefer that? You want to run down this road? Go for it. Is it sinful? No, don't eat that one, right? Is it unwise? Don't do that one. Now, eat from any tree you want. You're free. You're free. I think about this. You guys know how it works. Um, if, if you are married or dating and you want to go out on a date, what always happens? You look at each other and go, where do you want to go, right? Where do you want to go? And, and there's a little thing that happens where you're trying to decide where you want to go on a date with each other. And you know the places that she hates and she knows the places that you hate. And there's a handful of places that you both like. Those are the list. And at the end of the day, you know, you just have to pick one, right? And we know that the point is not where we land in the date. The point is that we date. The point is the relationship. That's always the point, right? The point is pursuing Christ, not picking the perfect path. I got to tell you guys this. I, uh, I went on a run the other day, and uh, there's a couple different kinds of shape you can be in. There's like normal, I'm in shape, and then there's like running shape. They're different. There's like a different thing. And I think that I'm in running shape, but I'm not, right? So I was like, I'm going to go for a run. It's going to be awesome. I don't know if you've ever done this before. You've gone out and tried to run when you're not in running shape. And I did this, and I did what I call a destination run. It's when you run from one point to another. And so I was running from my house to this pool where my family was. It's about five miles away, right? This is a great life choice. And, and so I... I don't know if you've ever done this. You, you, you're not in shape. You're not running shape. And, and you're trying to go on a destination run. And you do this in July at 11.30 a.m. when it's 90 degrees and sunny. People, this is the stuff of genius, right? So, like, I set out on this race or this run. And in the first two miles, man, I felt awesome. Oh, I was like, I'm back in high school. Look at me. This is awesome. I'm running. It's breaking a sweat, but it feels good. Probably going a little bit too fast, you know? And, but I'm going, I'm cruising about two miles. About two and a half miles, I'm dead, right? Like it's over. And I'm halfway. I'm like right in the middle. I can't really go back. I can't really go forward. I am now committed to this run. And I remembered something that, that I learned when you run, if you've ever been a runner or did this in high school, I learned this back in cross country. Like when you feel like quitting, which inevitably you do when you're running anything, is what you do is you fixate on something that's coming up and you run to that point, right? So like you, you look forward and you find something, you pick it and you run to it. And so I was like, right, I remember to do that. And so I was looking forward. I'm like thinking about walking and thinking about how terrible my life is. And I was like, well, I could run to that yellow fire hydrant. There's one right there. I'm going to run to it, you know? And so I, I start running and I make it to the yellow fire hydrant. It was like, nice job. Then I was like, pick another one, go to the stop sign. I'm running the stop sign. So I get pretty far doing that, running to random objects along the road, you know, and I keep going. It's painful. My legs are on fire. The sun is melting my scalp, right? Like it's, it's like I'm going to die, but I'm making it. I'm making it. And then I finally, I'm like, I can't go much farther, right? I probably have gone three and a half miles at this point. It's painful. And I finally start to walk. I'm walking the walk of shame, you know? <laughs> Some of you saw me, you beeped. <laughs> Thanks for stopping, right? It's great. So I'm walking the walk of shame, and I catch my breath. And, uh, you know, I'm like, you know what? I could run to that next sign. And I, I get up and start running some more. You know, I do that for a little bit longer. 
And finally, I'm walking again. And now I'm walking, and I catch my breath, and I keep walking, right? And I, and I keep walking, and then I'm walking, and I feel sorry for myself for walking. And I keep walking, you know? And I just think, what's wrong with me? Why am I doing this, right? I've totally lost sight of, of why I'm running. And then eventually, I keep walking for a while, ashamed, humiliated, embarrassed. And then you know what happens? Downhill comes. And I think I'm running, right? I'm like, I am in. I can run now. Just let myself fall down the hill. And so I'm running, and I start to engage a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I see it. There's the parking lot of the pool, right? And I'm like, I can run to the pool. I'm in, and right? And so I start picking up the pace. Everything hurts at this point. Everything hurts, but I'm in because I know the end is coming. And I start to engage and pick up a little bit more pace, and I finally make it to the pool parking lot. Man, and when I finished, when I finished, I thought I was going to pass out. But when I finished, I was like, I did it. I, I made it. Like, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't sexy. I walked. I didn't always do well, but I did it, right? I made it to the end. And here's the thing. I could have made probably five different routes to get to that pool. I, I could have taken all kinds of different roads, all kinds of different paths to get there. That wasn't the point, was it? The point was, I got to get from home to the pool. I got to run the race. I, I want to get there. I want to do my best and make my way there. See, the point isn't, at this point in the game, it's not which path do I pick. You're free to choose it. Run on the one you want to run on. There's more important decisions to make, like how I run, and that I run, and that I don't quit. See, the, the, decision, the decision to embrace following Christ, the, the decision to follow Jesus at work, the decision to embrace biblical community and open my life up, it's far more important than to take this job or that job. The decision to, to, to fight for my purity is far more important than which college to go to. The decision to live generously and to, to open my hands with my finances, it's far more important than which car am I going to drive. Right? The decision to share my faith regularly, far more important than what zip code do I live in. The decisions that matter are decisions of faith, right? much more important. It's not which road do I pick, it's how fast and hard do I lean into the race that I find myself in, the race of faith towards the heart of God. That's what matters. Hear me, I, I realize that some of us and you're in a place and you're humming along, right? It feels great to run. You found your faith. You found your home. Maybe you found Grace Church. And, and you're like, this is awesome. I could run like this forever. And if you're there, praise God for that. That is a beautiful place to be. And, and share it with the rest of us. You know, we need it. You, you might be in a place right now where you're sucking wind. You know, and you're looking at that, that yellow fire hydrant, and it's all you can do to just stay engaged to the next thing. You made it to church today, right? You, you opened your Bible once. 
this week. You're, you're trying, right? But you're barely holding on and you're out of gas and you're wondering, how am I going to finish this race? Right? I feel drawn to other things. I want to quit. Some of us, we're sucking wind, we're hurting, we're running to the next thing. Some of us are walking. And we've been walking for a while. And we caught our breath and we kept walking and we're ashamed and we haven't picked up our Bible and longer than we care to admit. And we know that he knows that we know and we don't even know how to move forward. And we wonder, is this, is this walking even doing anything? Listen, there is nothing more important in this life than engaging that race, than picking up the pace whenever you can. If you're walking, asking yourself the question, can I run, can I start running to that next stop sign? Could I chase Jesus for the next three days, the next day, the next hour, the next week? Could I, could I get up and embrace the decision to, to pour my life into following Christ, not to earn favor with him, but to say thank you for the favor that he's given me? Because at the end of the day, when we look Jesus in the eye, when we look at him face to face, all that will matter is the decisions that we have made in faith. We're not going to look back and say, oh, I should have lived in that zip code instead of this one. We're not going to look back and say, I, I should have bought this house, the one with these shutters, instead of that one. I should have went to this school. Or, right? The path is irrelevant. What matters is the pace, leaning in to following Jesus with all that we have and all that we are, whether it's getting up out of a dead stop or pacing ourselves or encouraging another brother to come alongside us or a sister encouraging her in the way following Jesus with abandon, giving it what we can give to the next point that we can see. And at the end of it, when we look at Jesus, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Your run, your race, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. There were high points and low points, but you did not quit. And if you don't quit, you win. That's how this thing works. Following Christ is difficult. It's challenging. It's not easy. But you're going to suffer for something, aren't you? So am I. We're going to suffer for making money. We're going to suffer for choosing a lifestyle. We're going to suffer for something. We might as well suffer as a response in loyalty to the one who has suffered for us. Say, thank you, Jesus. I want you because you wanted me enough to give up your life for me. Because this is all that matters. I'm looking to make decisions. I got to look and say, am I even in the race? If you're here today and you're considering following Jesus, I want you to know something. The life of following Christ will not be easy. Hear me. We are not here. I am not here promising you health and wealth and prosperity I'll promise you joy. I'll promise you purpose. And there's going to be pain. Can you handle that? As a response to the one who laid down his life for you. Are you in the race?
if you accepted Jesus as Savior and looked and said, I want to follow you with all that I am, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as I'm looking to make decisions, I want to ask, is it sinful? Guys, get rid of that. It's not worth it. You'll never look back and think, I wish I would have sinned more. I want to look and say, is it wise? If it's not wise, take it off the table. You're never going to look back and say, I wish I would have been more foolish. I wish I would have embraced more worldly wisdom. No one's going to do that. And if I'm here, I just got to make a decision. If I've prayed and I've fasted and I've, I've looked and I've I got wisdom and I got godly counsel, I make a decision and then I embrace the path that God has me on. I surrender, right? I say, I want to run this way, Jesus. I give you my all. I give you my heart. That's why I think this series ends in the same place it began. Week one, we talked about it starts with surrender. I think it ends there. I surrender. I run this race with abandon. Can we do that? Whether I'm walking, sucking wind, or I'm cruising along. If you don't quit, you win. What do you do when we don't know what to do? Chase down Jesus. You'd be just fine. Some of the band come out. I want to pray for us. I want us to spend some time responding to the Lord from a heart of surrender. Let's wrap up our time together. Father, we, we need you in this. This world and this life, Lord, offers so many distractions and so many temptations. It's so easy to run after other things, Lord, and you know that. You know what captures our attention and our affection. God, would you give us the grace to lay those things aside, to surrender them. And to pick up a commitment to this race, to following you, Christ, running after you, your heart and your mind. God, would you give us courage to get back up again, to begin running Lord, you're quick to forgive and you're eager to receive us and the path back to you is only one step away. Lord, we need you. Put within our hearts and our minds a vision of what it's going to be like to see you face to face. Where all of life is boiled down and all that we will value in that moment is what we did in faith as a response to you. Lord, would you meet us here? Speak to us even now.